Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about one man trying to figure out which woman in Iceland least wants to get engaged to him so that he can propose to her. Extremely, extremely logical. This week, Clayton keeps blundering around just deeper and deeper into a mess, mostly of his own making, as he tries to desperately convince his final two to stay and meet his parents so that he can presumably then break up with them. We'll see. It's all a fucking mess from start to finish. Here to go through this moment of collective misery and rage is Defector Media co-owner and host of Normal Gossip, Kelsey McKinney. Kelsey, thank you for joining us. Thank you both so much for having me here to, um, you know, experience the terror of last night all over again. I'm thrilled. I know. I know. I mean, we're sorry, but also I feel that we needed a friendly face and a calming (laughs) presence to get through this. So... I'm personally grateful to you. (laughs) And I think we should just get right into it because I spent last night just head down transcribing everything that was said on this episode because I I was like, this is unprecedented. I need to record everything. If we don't start, this podcast is going to be six hours long. So let's just (laughs) let's just go because it's a live goddamn finale. Oh, yeah. And we are all going to find out together what happens. You, me. Jesse Palmer (laughs) is going to find out what happens. He knows. Like, I no longer believe that he doesn't know. But they're in Iceland, and Clayton is shattered. He's like, can he pick up the pieces to find love with Gabby or Rachel? Jesse is like, this is going to rock Bachelor Nation to its core. This is going to be the rose ceremony that I like to call the rose ceremony from hell. He is, like, really impressed with this line. 
that he came up that with. Someone else wrote for him. It's like the least <laughs> original. We already use it all the time. And he's like, hopefully the kids are in bed and the pets are all safe. Safe? Like, what, what, what does he think about? is happening to the pets? Now I'm concerned about what goes on in Jesse Palmer's household. <laughs> I can't figure out if he means that the pets are going to be harmed if they're exposed to this episode or if the pets... You know, you don't want your pet to be hit by a car and you have to go deal with that instead of watching this episode. Like, I'm not sure what he's getting at here, but there's a lot of drama. It's going to be a rough night. I was a little um, behind on this section because I made spaghetti as a comfort food to make it through last night. And so I was like still mixing my spaghetti together and I had the TV audio on the kitchen speaker so I couldn't even see his facial expression when he said this and I was like what the fuck is happening here like what is he doing to be fair it was no clearer watching his facial expression so you I don't think you missed much I did actually just like die at his facial expression as he said the rose ceremony from hell so please he so was trying please. to give it so much and i was like it's just not it's not a very interesting appellation and so we do head at this point to reykjavik to a church a nice establishing shot of the city we hear the angelic sound of a church choir singing and then we head into the interior of the church where clayton is sitting at a pew repenting we hope. I, yeah, he has to repent for the dirty, dirty sin of sex, I assume. Although he doesn't act a lot through the rest of the episode like he has repented or feels bad at all. So I'm not sure if that's really what was going on here. He's mostly just, I guess, taking comfort and watching a choir sing some hymns alone in a church. I think it's nice that whatever he's supposed to be upset, they put him in a turtleneck. Like, I think that's kind of cute that it's like he's in the church in his little turtleneck. His very, his very large neck needs to be swaddled, Kelsey. <laughs> it needs to be swaddled. There are two kinds of people. People who want their necks to be swaddled when they're very upset and people who need their necks to have a lot of Freedom. breathing room when I, they're I relate and to they're the Both kinds form. of people are in this episode. Yeah. yeah, we see both of these coping mechanisms in this episode. So he is swaddling his neck. He's in the church. He's in his cozy place. And he's reflecting on just how terrible he feels that he got so angry with Susie and also how terrible he feels that Susie did that to him. He's like, I'm just so messed up. I want to believe love's here, but I don't know. I need somebody to help me. Because I'm, I'm so, so broken. broken. We finally got the moment. We finally got the broken moment. I feel like I need a little bingo card so that, like, the satisfaction I get on one of those little moments that we keep seeing in the trailer comes. I just want to, like, slash it off with a pencil. I know. You're like, finally, finally. The puzzle piece has slotted in. <laughs> the full picture is coming together. And then we cut to Jesse and Clayton. Just two CGI'd twins. Having a conversation. Jesse offers so little value in this exchange. I I was floored. Jesse's just there to be like, remember all the shit you did? How are you feeling about that? Like, there is no counsel here. Yeah. So Clayton explains that he just felt blindsided by Susie, and he felt that everything they had meant nothing. He does reiterate... um, in this moment, something he did say in the previous episode, 
she told me multiple times, I want you to explore the other relationships fully. And kind of by implication that he felt that that meant that sex was on the table. Like, why would you keep saying that if you were like, but don't have sex with them? <laughs> and I think that's actually pretty fair. That's like one of the one of the few good points he makes during this episode. <laughs> but he does seem to fully conflate that with falling in love. He's like, you said to explore the relationships fully. So obviously I fell completely in love with them and I'm in love. And that's part of this, I'm pretty sure. And the other women, the other women all would disagree with that. But he's like, I no longer have trust. All my walls are up, but we do have this rose ceremony. And now I'm wondering if Gabby and Rachel maybe don't want an engagement anymore if they hear what happened. So I'm going to be 100, 1000% transparent at the rose ceremony. And maybe that'll be the end of the journey, but at least they'll have all the, the info. And Jesse, like the football coach he is, is like, okay, let's run it back. Let's play the other side. What if they stick it out and they stay? And Clayton's like, that would be a testament to the love that we share. And I would continue on this process. You can just see him being like, I guess I'll have to talk myself into proposing to one of them, even (laughs) though it's very clear that my preference was for Susie. This was like five minutes in, 10 minutes in, and I was like already screaming at the television at this point because I was like, the thing is, your whole complaint with Susie was that she had a rule that you did, that she did not make clear to you. There was something that you needed to do in order for her to be happy. And here he is saying like, they have to stick it out through this. And that's how I'll know. And that's a like you're not articulating that to them at any point. You're not being a thousand percent transparent. You're saying like He's I'm not. creating a hurdle for you, and if you pass it, then maybe I'll consider you as as good as <sighs> Susie, who's now gone. Yeah, everyone wants to set a little love test for each other in this episode, and it's never a good idea. Like, yeah, I also feel like there is like an element here where he's like, well, I said I was in love with them. So if they stay and they still want to be with me, like, I can't, I can't like be like, no, right. Like I'm in love with them. So I do have to continue. Right. Like that's, that's how this works. I'm pretty like, it's, it seems almost as though he's like going by guideline here as he's talking and not talking about what he really wants. Like he, he's yeah. not saying like, oh, I desperately want to like continue with them. It would break my heart if they left. He's like, well, if they do this testament to our love, then I have yeah, to continue okay. on with this process as it has been laid out. Like he is such according a, to contract. Yeah. He's such a rule follower and he seems to have so little actual sense of his own desires and that is part of why he's so desperately bad at this job yeah he i'm sure we're gonna get into this later but he also does not seem to like understand the power dynamic here at all it's like the minute the women started to like talk back to him or say oh i have like some kind of parameter that i was expecting from you he completely panicked and lost his shit and it's like you can't you could just yeah. say, no, it's Susie, right? Like, you're in charge here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's had a chance to prepare for it. Like, with Susie, I did really feel for him because I was like, he thought that 
the parameters were a certain way based on their conversations and Susie sort of shifted the ground under his feet and he was really taken aback. He was going into this conversation being like, I understand that they might want to leave and then is not prepared for them to actually want to leave at all. And that is wild to watch, but we will get into that. Back to live for a moment, just to make sure that we all know that Jesse is just salivating over the idea of Rachel and Gabby heading to the rose ceremony with no idea that they're about to be destroyed by Clayton. Can you believe it? He's just like so excited that we get to see these two women be emotionally devastated. Yeah, this is not a man who has learned to like appropriately modulate his his facial expressions <laughs> and tones for like the gravity of the situation. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he, yeah, let's fucking go. He, this is a sports announcer. Like, this is, you know, he, he's not here to, to bring that <laughs> sensitive touch. And meanwhile, Rachel, of course, is saying that her greatest fear is that Clayton has fallen in love with Gabby or Susie. She can't even wrap her mind around the possibility that he's fallen in love with all of them because it's never happened before. Like, he is, he's throwing out the rule book here. She is wearing a navy blue, like, mock turtle neck sheath gown, and that mock turtle neck will become relevant later. <laughs> Gabby is in burnt orange satin. She looks a, so good. Uh, I didn't think outfit. anyone could look good in burnt orange satin. That is a skill. Extremely Ugh. rude to my alma mater, the University of Texas at Austin, but I did think that Gabby looked incredible. The whole time I was like, how? How does this dress look good? I Listen, it's not burnt orange, but I also went to an orange school, and every year I would go to a big reunion party where I would wear orange head to toe, and <laughs> I never once pulled it off, not the entire time, and I accept that. Gabby is rocking it, and she tells Jesse that she and Clayton expressed feelings that she hopes are able to stand true through the rose ceremony. They always do like have these conversations and I'm usually like, Oh my God, you're being so melodramatic. Like he told you he's in love with you. Obviously like you're safe through this rose ceremony, like calm down. And I'm just being proven so wrong here because you just never know how much of a dimwit the bachelor is going to be (laughs) and how hard he's going to fuck you over. So Gabby, Gabby also like knows what's happening. Right, Gabby is yeah. to have most, an awareness. She is the most aware of the way that these situations are kind of being constructed around her. And I think we've seen that throughout the entire season, and it's very refreshing. She certainly yeah. knows what's going on more than Clado does. Yeah, I think that part of it is just her emotional intelligence, too, that, like, it's so obvious that Rachel... And Susie both feel so confident Mm -hmm. about their relationships. And she's sitting back a little bit and being like, I feel really confident too. But like, huh, (laughs) like they feel really confident. Um, So they ascend the stairs to stand under a sort of vast honeycomb glass wall. Apparently this is a, a conference center and concert house in Reykjavik called Harpa that has won a number of awards. It's beautiful. And it looks terrifying. Like, there is a blizzard happening outside. You can hear the wind whistling. And they're just, it's like this endlessly tall, vast wall filled with darkness and snow. It's a very dramatic setting for what's about to and happen. And has great acoustics, which will become relevant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, a, if a woman sniffles in the basement, you can hear it in the rafters. They start to whisper to each other, Where's Susie? 
you don't think she went home? And Gabby, of course, true to form, is like, anything can happen at this point. She knows. Get get smart, Rachel. (laughs) She knows. Rachel looks horrified at this thought. Um, They're both, like... They're both starting to panic a little bit. not stable. What's going on? Clayton enters, looking grim. (laughs) And he gives a speech that I did write down every word of. And now I'm going to deliver it as if I were Clayton. As you can see, Susie's not here. I want to let you know what happened because I think you all deserve to know. I'm kind of shattered to pieces at the moment and questioning everything. The person standing in front of you is not the person you were last with. What I'm about to say is not going to be easy to hear, but it's going to be very transparent, and I owe it to all of you. Yesterday, Susie told me that if I had told either of you that I was in love or if I had been intimate with either of you, that she could not continue with this journey, that it was over for us. It had me questioning everything about what her and I had, and I felt like at the end of this, I couldn't even look her in the face, and I didn't even know who I was looking at. I didn't want to go about it this way, but because it became a deal-breaker, I don't want it to be a deal-breaker with us. This is the hard part to say, but I was in love with her, and I'm in love with each of you, too. And I also was intimate with both of you. At this point, Gabby has begun weeping. She looks like she's been punched in the gut. Rachel Rachel is just stunned. And like, you can tell that she's holding it in until she can walk away a little bit. I, again, (sighs) gave a lot of latitude to Clayton for being very upset about Susie, what she said in that conversation. He went on a Caitlin Bristow's podcast this week and mentioned something that I think is kind of valid given the situation, which is that in the moment... He was like, I'm so blindsided by this, and it seems so outside the parameters that we had, that I started to think maybe she just wanted to be like the bachelorette. Maybe this wasn't really about me. And like that's always a concern for the lead. So I understood that. I was really surprised that he took this opportunity to be like, anyway, who is Susie, that scheming vixen? Like, I don't know (laughs) who she even is. That was so (laughs) unnecessary, And also, like, the fact that he continually brings up Susie in this, like, very charged way to the other two women and doesn't seem to understand how upsetting that might be to them. I was just like, Clayton, like, just... Yeah. Just end it like, here and go after his, Susie. Like, his it, feelings for Susie are the main character in this speech. Yes. This is a, the first of several soapboxes I'm going to pull out in this episode. <laughs> but I... I'm fine with this. I'm like, I agree that it's fine to be fully transparent with them that like after the terror of Susie being like, I had rules that I didn't Mm -hmm. articulate and then left, you want to be transparent. You do not have to do this at the rose ceremony. You could absolutely do this individually before the rose ceremony. Yes. Because the Hmm. rules of this show are fake and you're the lead. (laughs) So you can just say... I want to talk to them individually. Here's the problem. <laughs> he doesn't <Clayton> know that. <laughs> seems to have so little confidence in his own decision-making skills and his own power in this role that yes. he just sort of like blithely goes along and is like, well, the the parameters are the parameters that production has laid out for me. And like, as any lead can tell you, you're right, Kelsey, you can just 
insist on certain things. And he doesn't, he clearly doesn't do any of that. And it's really to his own detriment. If I were Gabby in this scenario and I'm standing on this like terrifying platform in the dark as this guy (laughs) tells me in front of the other contestant that Susie left, I'm assuming he's about to dump both of us. Because, like, why wouldn't he tell us individually that, like... Right, or if you're going to say Susie... Like, the thing is, the precedent for a conversation like this, where one of them left, is to be like, you can see there's only two of you here. Susie, you know, left uh, on our date. We, you know... It wasn't We realized that it wasn't the right fit for us. And, like, I do still really want to continue with both of you. I see my wife here, blah, blah, blah. Let's continue. Right, with there's the a version and of this start. where it can be right. reassuring to yes. them, but like, right? Or if he wants to be transparent, which I agree, Kelsey. I think that one of the only good things that he does, and he put himself into a really bad position because the things that he had to be transparent about were so bad. <laughs> but one of the only good things that he does is decide to actually give them that information. But then to give it to them in this setting instead of one on one was a fatal error you're right i didn't even think about it and i'm sure clayton didn't even think about it because they would just be like so you'll tell them at the rose ceremony and he'd be like yeah okay like that's the extent that he is like thinking about this stuff throughout this episode he keeps saying shit like i think this is up soon but he says something about like i failed i could fail on my journey to find love and i was like you said i love you to three women like you have succeeded at finding love theoretically (laughs) So, like, I think he just doesn't comprehend that, like, these are individual relationships that you have, right? Like, if you're going to tell your girlfriend something very serious, you should do it in private. Yeah, he's, like, compartmentalized enough, like, in the moment with each of them. But he doesn't know how to reconcile that at all with the fact that they all continue to exist in the same timeline whatsoever. So... He's not able to to shift out of the rose ceremony mode. And in this moment, Gabby and Rachel are obviously devastated. And Clayton's like, anyway, I do think there's light at the end of the tunnel. I do see one of you on the other side of all He's this like, with me. Who can say who? I actually have no idea. Um, He's like, don't worry. If I knew which one of you it was, I wouldn't string the other one along. So... The game is still anyone's to win at this point. Oh, my God. And he then opens the floor for questions. (laughs) And Rachel is barely keeping it together. She's like, I I need a second. And then they both just like peel the fuck off to get away from him. Yeah. To just like sob and talk to their producers. Clayton stands alone by the glass pedestal of roses as the sound of Rachel sobs fills the air. Crystal clear like a bell. Like, again, incredible. (laughs) The closed captions just said cries echoing, which I did (laughs) take a photo of. And I was like, wow, this is this is the episode. No music is added for us to, like, dramatize it or soften the effect They're like, this is obviously the way this is going to be the most devastating. And it's true. I cried like a faucet through this whole scene. Like, the sound of other people crying is my kryptonite. (laughs) And it was so sad. And I really just feel so much for Gabby and Rachel going through this. 
And we do get some moments with the, with each of them kind of venting to producers. Gabby's saying, you know, he told me he was falling in love with me and he told Rachel, that's not fair. I don't want to end up here in the end if it's going to be like this to make it there. Rachel's like curled up on the stairs, as we saw in previews, sobbing into her arms. She says he's in love with two other people, not just falling in love, in love. And he's heartbroken. Susie left. Oh. And... At this point, she's like, I can't breathe. She has to undo the collar of her dress. Too many emotions for a turtle. I, I really related to that moment. Like, I could feel her her just absolute panic. And I really, I, I just found myself being like, I feel so bad for both of them. And I'm like, genuinely so worried about Rachel. I am like, to lighten a little bit, I am like a <laughs> little furious at Rachel in that I'm like, how the fuck do you look so good doing this? Like when she was laying on the stairs, I was like, this looks Gorgeous. extremely uncomfortable and also beautiful. Like how is yeah. it that you're she sobbing? She is like and a just Disney like, princess a, in a movie. I was like, if this were me, I would not be able to breathe, right? It would be like I was suffocating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would not be pretty. It I, wouldn't be cute. I'm not a everything cute Rachel does. Mm-hmm. She just, I think, instinctively moves in a very posed way. She's so aware of posture and angles, and even in this moment of heightened emotion, she's aware of that. Gabby, I think, is more relatable to me. Like she doesn't seem like she's constantly posed to advantage, and I love that about Gabby as well. Um, also, Rachel does lose a nail during this. <laughs> I love like, that. You it still like, look perfect. Like, it looks intentional. Oh my god! I was like the indignity. Like Rachel is so distraught that her gels are just falling off. <laughs> They're flying every which way. And so finally, as the cries echo, and Clayton is just standing there, like occasionally licking his lips and looking stoic. He's like, I have to get through this, the suffering of women that I caused. And finally, Clayton approaches Clayton and asks, <laughs> how are you doing? And I wrote my first laugh of the episode. <laughs> I like laughed out loud. Jesse truly has nothing to offer. He's just like, yeah, man, how's it going? As like the sobs like reverberate <laughs> off of the walls. It's comedy. It's farce. Clayton says... And this is wild. I do, like, I don't know if I can recreate exactly what Clayton says. He says, I hate hearing mm, crying. (laughs) And I was like, do you hate hearing the women you love crying? Or do you hate hearing crying? Like, it kind of sounds like you're saying that you hate hearing crying and you just like wish crying weren't happening near you this is another one of those things where i don't know if it's just because he doesn't understand how much power he is or like what's hap- he has or what's happening but like why not go to them right like why stay at this pedestal the whole time like what are you if you if i was hearing people i loved crying i would be like why don't I see but, like, if they would allow me to discuss with them? But who would he them? go to? Which one would he choose? You know? Susie. He's got Susie. Switzerland <laughs> you choose Susie. <laughs> choose Susie. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe, listen, I do think that they clearly both need space. And I guess he's got to give it to them. I don't know what he could do that would look 
less insensitive than just standing there and licking his lips and then being like, Jesse, I hate hearing crying. They also both do ju- <laughs> did just ask, like, can I have a minute? Yeah, that's fair. That's so, thing. yeah. But he's not, as we will see, really preparing himself to have the ultimate conversations his very thing well. because is those not do preparation. Not well. That's not, it's not a strength of his. Well, the thing is that he does prepare. He just prepares the wrong things. <laughs> and so... <laughs> For example, he came prepared tonight with this rationale. I know they don't understand. I couldn't understand. How could anyone understand until they go through it? But it's because I made myself vulnerable that this happened. Okay, Clayton, they don't care. Like, they don't want to hear that. So, like, I hope you prepared something else. But he didn't really. And we'll get to that. Jesse tells Clayton that they're hurt right now. And Clayton's like, yes, I know. But they deserve to know. I can't go into a relationship with secrets. And I want to continue with both of them. My notes in this section are in all caps. Just all of them. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, I have the same quote of like, it's because I opened up and became vulnerable. This happened. No, babe, it's not. It's because you told three women you loved them and you slept with all of them. It's not because you were vulnerable. It's because you made decisions. And like, that's fine. But can like, I even think you're allowed to make those decisions, but you have to own Own those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't think that, and we, we've been through this journey with Clayton. I think we can all agree this journey together. (laughs) And he doesn't understand really, I think what it means to be vulnerable. We've seen him like have a nice time with the women laughing and joking. He seems charming sometimes in that context. We've seen him with the women sharing their vulnerable feelings and he doesn't, really know how to handle that but he does his best but he doesn't know how to as far as we can see like offer up any form of intimacy to the women that doesn't involve saying that he loves them so we have these series of as we've said many times these breakups that are so emotionless on his part with women who made it almost to the end and then once he gets down to the final three he's like well i offered nothing vulnerable to those women at all so what can i offer these final women i guess that i'm in love with them there are other ways to deepen your relationship i think that's almost and giving him too much credit like, he's just so <laughs> ill equipped to do this job yeah. i think that's what i keep coming back to is that like the lead of this show is in fact a job it is yeah. labor he's that very very bad at this job and then i go to the question of so why did the show cast someone yeah. who was so obviously ill-equipped for this job because of and, this <laughs> right yes right exactly they wanted this. exactly they they the show wanted everyone to end up in a place of mental breakdown yeah um and this is like where my ultimate Some would say we're too sympathetic to Clayton. And after watching this episode, I kind of agree. However, my sympathy for Clayton comes from the fact that production has so much power. And Clayton has more power than the women have. But he's also vulnerable, literally, in a way that production isn't. Like, this is all going to blow back on him. He's going to be the person who receives all of the criticism. And a lot of that is very fair. But production clearly wanted this. Clayton is such a rule follower and, like, thinks that he is doing what he's supposed to be doing. And we've seen so many bachelors get guided through this really difficult process of convincing a bunch of women that you might marry them and then only picking one and having it not blow up in their face somehow. 
and they don't want to do that anymore. They enjoy having a blow up in the lead space. They get a lot out of it in terms of ratings. You know, it gives all of the audience catharsis to get really mad at a guy who fucked up. And so ultimately, I'm just like, he is in a certain sense also suffering because production gets off on this. Right, and, and it's complicated. I don't think that our empathy for him in that respect takes away his, you know, responsibility to treat the people that he is engaging with with care, which he very obviously, as we have laid out, does not. But it is this thing that, like, it just feels so transparent in this situation that this is what they are going for. And it is a real shift because previously the show was fundamentally, even if these, you know, love stories were like super, super produced and constructed, the show was invested in constructing those romantic narratives. And now it seems more invested in engineering mental breakdowns. I just, I know we're going to get to this later, but like, I agree with you. I know that the producers on this show are manipulative is an understatement. But this is a job. Do the fucking reading. Well, right. Watch AA season one. Yes. Yes. Any season. Clayton has no excuse to well, be this like, unprepared you, because the last like five Bachelor seasons have ended with blowups. Ben and like was not that long ago. <laughs> Do like, some basic research. Like, I read a Wikipedia page. Like, this is... N- I'm not asking you to have 20 years of Bachelor lore. I'm asking you to read the top notes on the last 10 Bachelors. You, you just simply... To yeah. do a, an even halfway decent job at this job, you do have to go in with a certain sense of self and a certain confidence in your own desires. And Clayton neither knows himself nor has any sense of his desires. And of course, you should also go in caring about the feelings of the other people. And do the research. It's so true. Like the reason that The Bachelor is so primed to blow up like this, and Kelsey, we were talking about this a little bit last night, is that male leads often don't really know the show very well. And like the women come in with a lot of typically cultural knowledge Maybe they watched a lot or at least they, you know, have a lot of friends who did. They know what they're getting into and they typically are very controlled and they they zero in on someone early on. They tend to protect the relationship, although there have been some notable exceptions. And like the male leads just come in and are just like, huh, it's so weird that I'm here and all these women want to date me. What is this show? The Bachelor? Like, <laughs> I don't know. And then the production can do whatever they want. Right. I think it's telling that Nick... Vile's season was the last one where we had sort of a traditional ending. And he is someone who is by nature very controlled and sort of can anticipate what's going on around him. And I think the closest we had was Matt James and his season blew up for reasons kind of out of his control. For racism, Um, which was not his fault. But I think Matt was also being very careful. I think Matt was aware of the pressure he was under. And we have a lot of other bachelors coming in who have neither the background and study nor the caution that they should have. But Nick and Matt also did something that Clayton is not doing, which is they had a really firm awareness of the fact that, like, their relationships with each of the women were different from each other and they had to be treated differently. Well, right, exactly. We hear him saying like a little bit about this later on, but I'm like in this, 
this scene, he says, like, I can't go into a relationship with secrets. I'm like, you're in three relationships right now. Yeah. So, yeah. like, you've had secrets yeah, you're not, from them. Right. This is not, and this isn't a game. This is real people. As Nick points out later on the on a panel, he did still withhold information mm-hmm. from them, which is that he told Susie he loved her the most. And maybe they would like that piece of information <laughs> before this all unfolds. But let's get back to the timeline. Gabby finally clicks up to Clayton And I would love to just be wearing comfortable shoes for a night like this, but they're in stilettos. And Gabby comes up to him and says, this is like so much. And Clayton says, I know, but like everything that happened between us was real. I'm scared now because of what happened last night. And Gabby's like, okay, so what happened? Like Susie isn't even here. That's concerning to me. And Clayton explains in his way how... Susie told him about this rule she had and how she never brought up her hard line about sex or being in love. And then he starts to explain. With physical intimacy. He's like, like, I'm not sure if you realize, but physical intimacy can be a part of fantasy suites. And Gabby's like, okay, okay, okay. You you don't (laughs) need to tell me everything. Yeah, she's like, please, you can stop talking about about physical intimates. Please stop saying the word intimate. And she's like, that's not the part I needed clarity on. Also, like the indignity of like having sex with someone and being like, I love you. And then the next day for him to stand up in front of two people and be like, I was intimate with that woman. It's so mortifying. (laughs) Mortifying. And he's like, well, I allow myself to explore the other relationships fully because of what I thought was going on. And I wish I'd asked Susie more questions before. And I thought, first of all, like you're now implying to Gabby that she is one of the other relationships by phrasing it that way. And that doesn't sound like something I would like to hear if I were Gabby. And also she's like, yeah, well, listen, exploring is not loving. Love is a big word. And Clayton's like, yeah, I understand. And like, I'm really sorry. I know this conversation is so hard, but I don't want to start a relationship on half-truths. And I'm like, no, you're not sorry about having the conversation. You should be sorry about the decisions that led up to this. (sighs) Gabby, though, is the communicator that we all needed. She does the thing where she like very clearly lays out the questions that need to be asked. She says... How did you weigh saying you loved me against the possibility of me going home? And he's like, uh, he's like, uh, he's like, well, I meant everything I said. And she's like, yeah, but like, how do you back that up? And he says, oh, I know this one. Whoever I pick, that's who I love the most. And she says, yeah, and kind of nods with this look in her eye like she's just figuring out that he's a piece of shit. Like, her eyes are just like, (laughs) oh, no, he sucks. Oh, that's what's going on. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's she's not having this realization. (laughs) Oh, man. I also just, this is not to be, like, rude to men. I know that this is not true for all men, but, like, I, not it is really hard for me. Yes, it is really hard for me to believe that some of this conflation of the word love is just intimate and enjoyable relationship where I'm like, do you not have close, deep friendships? Right? Like the, Probably the way, not, Kelsey. Right, A lot of men do not. But that's what I mean is like, that's not yeah. the same. 
right? And like, it is in some ways and it isn't us isn't in others, right? Like Gabby and Rachel would not say they are in love with each other, even though they are clearly loving toward each other. And I don't know that he well, like that's because they haven't been intimate with each other. And that's <laughs> is that why that's where that it becomes line? being in love. That's uh, yeah, that's what happens. No, but I think I that's mean, such no, a I, good point. I, I really do, because I do think that a lot of men don't have as much experience with like a wide variety of truly and I'm going to use the word intimate but I don't mean Please sexual don't. <laughs> um like very close loving relationships that aren't necessarily a one-on-one like romantic partnership and like there are lots of kinds of loving relationships and I think Clayton has a quite limited vocabulary around these these relationships but Clayton is like intent on just explaining to Gabby that like of course he just he still meant that he loved her he's just like you have stronger loves with some than others and if he chooses her the other loves will just end (laughs) yeah that's how it works and Gabby says the correct (laughs) thing which I was so glad she said this in the moment she's like okay but like why wouldn't you just save it even if you felt it why wouldn't you just save it and I think that is kind of the central point like you should be thinking ahead just a little bit yeah Clayton's like well I said it because I felt it and she's like oh my god (laughs) please she's like that's not Um, she's like it's great if it's if it's me at the end but what if I'm not then I'm just supposed to stop like having those feelings how would you feel in my position and Clayton is silent the gears are turning but nothing's happening and finally Gabby says this is fucked and walks away I love her so much (laughs) And she, in her in the moment, says, I just don't think he's being fair right now. You can't tell multiple women you're in love with them, thinking there would be no consequences, knowing there's still so many steps for us to go through. Like, saying whoever I walk out with will be the one I love the most. Wrong fucking answer. Love isn't measured. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, so much. I was, like, fist pumping. I, I This is incredible because what the show has done is set up an opportunity for everyone to just dissect how fucked up the whole structure of the show is. Because what she's saying strikes at the very heart of The Bachelor. And she's also correct. Right. Like, the whole idea of the show is that, like, the guy gets up to the pedestal and he's like, I found so much, like, love with you, but my heart is pulling me in another direction. You know, that's always the idea that, like, you're going to see if if he loves you the most. That's the whole concept of the show. And it's also really fucked up and damaging to these women. And well, that is she just got the opportunity these, to like, just say it. That is what these, quote unquote, unprecedented endings do, is that in subverting that formula, they do expose how stupid it is. I think it also, like, if I want to give him as much credit as humanly possible, which I don't, but I will, if if, <laughs> if I do that, and this has happened to a lot of bachelors and bachelors, bachelorettes, you have the polyamory angle, right? Which is, could he actually be fully in love with three of them? And like, the most generous read of this is that, yes, he is, right? And, like, that's possible. It's not impossible. It happens all the time that people fall in love with more than one person. And so you're right that there's this, like, you're absolutely dragging the way this show works in that it's, like, 
he has to choose which one of you he loves the most. And also he can never acknowledge that he loved more than one of you. Right? Like it's the soulmate myth, essentially, of like you can only love one of us. And if you've fallen in love with more than one of us, then you don't love any of us at all. Which is just kind of, it's not real, right? Like that's not true. But also I would absolutely feel that way if I was on this show. (laughs) Of course. I mean, well, these women are still going into this looking for a monogamous relationship. The concept is that they're going to find a monogamous relationship. Of course they don't want to hear, like, I'm in love with you. Oh, wait, sorry, two days later, I'm just going to let you know. I'm in love with other people, and I'm just going to see who I love the most. <laughs> so, like, you felt safe with me, but you shouldn't have because you're competing even more than you ever realized. I Like, I agree with Gabby. I think he should have waited to say it. But that doesn't mean he's not telling the truth. Right, which is I scary. agree that it doesn't mean he's not telling the truth. I, agree. I don't think he's telling the truth because I don't think he understands <laughs> what love is. But like he thinks he's telling the yes. truth because yeah, he's I think just he doing the best he's he telling can. the truth. And I don't think it's impossible to fall in love with more than one person. But what this is exposing is just like how damaging his lack of awareness of the situation and its consequences really can be to everyone involved. And and that's I think what Gabby is really picking up on. Meanwhile, Rachel is just sobbing on the stairs saying, I literally never thought there was a chance he could be in love with all three of us. Am I just supposed to have my heart broken for the chance that he loves me just a little bit more than the others? And like, I guess, yes, that's what you're being asked (laughs) to do, Rachel. And that's the thing is that like, again, that is the concept of The Bachelor, but to go through this extra intermediate step where you feel like you've won and then it's like psych you're doing it again and now because you felt safe you opened up even more and felt secure in that love in some way that has now been ripped away from you it's just like an extra layer of emotional cruelty right and i think that rachel kind of lays this out when she eventually talks to clayton you know he's saying the love i feel for you is not the same as his love for Gabby, because you're two different people. I'm like, good one, Clayton. Great. The <laughs> love is different. The people are different. Yeah. He knows that He's they're like, I different. I know you're two distinct human beings. Um, and Rachel <laughs> says, it's so hard because I was waiting so long to hear those words from you. And then I did. And then the next time I was seeing you, I hear that you felt the same thing for two other people. And like, Rachel just seems absolutely destroyed. She can she can barely talk. She yeah. is sobbing so hard. And she's like, I'm so in love with you. I feel like my heart is breaking. She's putting her head in his lap and just like heaving with sobs. Clayton is not up to this challenge. <laughs> I don't I don't think that he understood uh. that something like this could happen. And so he just quietly says, I know. And then he's like, but you know Yikes. what? This still isn't over unless you want it to be. It's worth fighting for. I love you. I care about you. I want you to meet my parents. What do you say? Clayton, like, what are you doing? Like, this woman is like, you broke my heart and she's sobbing and you're trying to pivot to, like, whether she'll stay for the next stage in this process. Like, can you give her a little bit more here? Like, you you gotta do more than, like, revert to the rule book effectively he's not really hearing her in 
in any meaningful way. He's just like, I can absorb a few minutes of her crying while I pat her knee. And then I can be like, so you're still in? (laughs) Is what I'm hearing. Like, I feel like, I feel like you're maybe still good to go. Like what? It just feels so obvious to me at this point that what he should do is just like call it. Like just needs to call it. Just call it. Just step out of this and be like, I liked Susie best. So either either I'm going to salvage that like or or we're we're going to be done here. And instead he seems to be waiting. He's like if I just keep doing this, I'll awaken and just be like this one will be my wife. And like as we see, well this is that is the not delusion. going to happen. The delusion that he has is that he is really in love with all of them. Right. And my belief is that if he's genuinely in love with all of them and like had to pursue this love fully with each of them, that, like, one of them leaving would be difficult, but he would have two other women that he really loved and saw a future with. And instead, it becomes clear that he, like, doesn't really see a future with either of them. So why did he think he was in love in, with them? In my notes in this scene, I have just Jason Mesnick's name written in all caps and bolded <laughs> because I was just remembering how distraught he was when he had to pick between the two of them like how difficult Mm -hmm. that was for him that he's like sobbing over the edge of this balcony and like I love both of these women Mm. so much and I don't know what to do I'm like that is not what he's doing that's not what Clayton's doing here right like he is not distraught at the level you should actually be distraught if you were equally in love with all three of these women and two of them are now crying like you are not appropriately responding to this right That is so true. Like, he doesn't seem to have that level of actual emotion about it. And on that note, uh, Rachel thanks Clayton for having this talk with her. Uh, She's very uh, polite. And he's like, let's take it day by day. And she's like, okay. And we're going to take a quick ad break and we will be back with more. Can you keep up? I like love it. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. Yes, I've thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to think so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process. It would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, that is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. 
Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. Because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop-off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working. And Aloe Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in, in those spare moments when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class. I can do something that gets my heart rate up and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code LTSI20. alomoves.com code LTSI20. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should, learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks. And it's been really helpful because my French is not good. But now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. (laughs) You can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. And we're back in the studio for large Clayton to be like, hell, love hell. What a hell yeah. of rose Was ceremony. I right about that being By hell? the way, we are trending number one internationally on Twitter. Like, sir. I just like couldn't get over this moment. Just taking a break to like pat themselves on the back for mining real people's emotional trauma for ratings. They're like, yeah, people are paying attention to this fucked up shit. You're not supposed to say that out loud. You're just supposed to like (laughs) quietly being like, great. We did the thing we wanted to do. Like, he's like, like, we got that attention we were looking for. You're watching. And you're making us number one. Thanks, yeah. man. <laughs> and now back to the rose ceremony from hell. Uh, Clayton is like, the reactions of these women have told me that I really did mess it up. It's finally getting through. It's just like it, just it a couple a hours while, of sobbing. Like, 
it eventually (laughs) penetrates. And he's like, but I hope I did enough to convince these women to stay. That shouldn't be If I'm watching this back, I'm like, I don't like being discussed that way. Like, I hope I did enough to convince these women to stay. It's so, like, dismissive of them as individuals. Anyway, okay. So... Gabby and Rachel return to their marks looking very wan and tear-stained. And he says they can do what they want. They don't have to accept the rose that he offers, which turns out to be false. But we'll get to that. And he thanks them for talking through it with him. He starts by calling out Rachel's name. So after all of this, (laughs) Gabby's like, and now I'm getting the second rose. Great. And... Rachel accepts the rose. He offers Gabby the second rose. And she says, I can't. I'm sorry. Do you want to walk me out? At this point, Rachel just looks like she's completely panicked. She's like, oh, (laughs) my God. I have to marry Glenn now. (laughs) Am I like, yeah, am I obligated to marry this man by default? Because that doesn't sound great. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. I thought I still had some more steps before I had to be alone with him. Okay, I think also if you're Rachel, you assume kind of like, okay, if we're both still here at the rose ceremony, we're both going to say yes. And then we'll have more time to like discuss this with him and figure it out. So when Gabby's like, no peace, she's like, (laughs) yeah, she's like, no, I, I literally did not want this to happen. I still want, I mean, after Susie left, She's gonna be. She's like, oh, two of them just left, and now I just like get him by default. That, that like does feels not shitty. Feel like good. I don't want that. She is like freaking out. Meanwhile, Clayton is walking Gabby out. They stop to talk, and he says, "I'm sorry." And Gabby tells Clayton, "I just want to level with you. I came here thinking it could be you and I in the end, thinking we had something very special and unique. My trust in you and us was what carried me forward." And despite what happened last night, our conversation and who you are to love the most is who you're going to end up with. I'm just not in the business of competing with anyone for love. And Clayton says, it's not meant to be a competition, though it's definitely supposed to be a competition. Like, you're literally you're a both literally on a competition <laughs> romance show. That is, that's what this is. But Just accept it, Clayton. Be like, yeah, it is a competition, but I do think you could win. You got the right stuff. <laughs> He knows at least that that's not the correct thing to say. He tells her that he really compartmentalized these relationships and what they had was different and special. And his last plea is that he sees something in them and he doesn't know what the perfect thing is to say, but he's speaking from his heart. And Gabby says, look, like, put yourself in my shoes. As much as you don't know what you're supposed to feel, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. I don't care about anything else, which... She, I think she's basically being like, fuck whoever. But knowing you told three different women with what I'm assuming was like the same intention, volition, excitement, what you told me. And that's what made my week special. And I think this again, like she's so good at articulating exactly what he did wrong. She's like the, she the words that you pulls out a say, great vocab word here. Volition. Yeah. I love it, Gabby. Great, love Thank it. You. Love it. But she, she's like look, you, like, your words have meaning and your words are what made me feel reassured during our time together. And now you're telling me, essentially, like, those words didn't mean anything. 
Right. And, and that we can is upsetting. So totally. The polyamory question is so real and interesting because, like, I do think that love can be meaningful if shared. But, like, personally, I'm in a monogamous relationship. I didn't sign up to be in a poly- polyamorous one. And so if I found out that my husband was out there telling other women, like, <laughs> I'm in love with you, like, yeah, I would be like, it doesn't feel like, special anymore. Right, you're like, I'm this, upset about this. This is outside of the bounds that I thought we had mutually yeah. agreed upon of what our relationship polyamory, was going to be. Then this is an example, an illustration of why polyamory relies on so much communication right. and clarity and trust and boundaries, which are not in place here, because there are a lot of boundaries implicit and explicit on this show. And Clayton violated one of the longest standing ones. And this is what happens. Um, so Gabby is basically like, I don't want to be the most loved. I just want to be accepted and loved. You can't measure love. And I feel like I'm being measured. Did you regard what it would feel like? It hurts. He did not. He did not. He's just like, I know. I know. And Gabby says, just say you're sorry or something. (laughs) Oh, God, I love her. He finally listens. He's like, I am sorry. He's like, I am sorry. And then he's like, Here's the thing. I'm not trying to create turmoil, but we definitely have something worth fighting for. You did reject my rose, but stay. I don't accept that you have rejected my rose. (laughs) And he's like, is your heart really telling you to walk away? Also, if I was Gabby in this moment, I would again feel like he's making such a hard play that it would land to me as if he was saying, it's going to be you at the end. Yeah, like, he would let me walk away if he thought it wasn't me. Right. I, hmm. There's something about the fact that he uses the word compartmentalization in this exchange that I did not catch the first time. But when you read it back, mm-hmm. really fucked me up in that I'm like, I, this, like, use of therapized language, I think, is causing mm-hmm. him to come off as more self-aware than he actually is. Like, when he tells these women, like, I have walls up, I'm compartmentalizing, I'm being vulnerable, he's not actually doing any of those things, clearly. He's just saying Mm -hmm. the right things to make them feel like he's more emotionally attuned to the situation than he is. That really has infected the show as a whole, and including the discourse around the show, and it's icky. I don't like it's, it. It's icky. Yeah. It's really icky. I agree. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And I think that one of the things that is rubbing a lot of people wrong, including me about Clayton, is that it does seem like he is just using these bachelor and therapy buzzwords to, like, have permission to do certain things because he feels like those words, like, are magic and make it allowed. And it is it is still, like, a lot of work to take care of relationships. It's not just being, like, vulnerability, compartmentalized. Right, now I get to be in love with three that's people. That's why Gabby's so great here, right? Is she's, like, you've said mm-hmm. you've compartmentalized. Yeah. You've said you're being vulnerable. What you haven't said is that you're fucking sorry. Right? And, like, right. yes. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that he has been doing a lot of, like, just saying I'm sorry, but not in a way that contextually indicates that he yeah. knows what he's sorry for. Exactly. Like, like, anyway, exactly. sorry. Sorry, this is a tough conversation. Sorry mm-hmm. about all this. And she's like, are you sorry that you said you loved me when you couldn't back it up? And he doesn't understand <laughs> still. But he's like, listen, here's the thing. Maybe your heart still wants to stay. And 
you know, you just have to follow what your heart feels. And this is real love that we have. It's so genuine. And just do what your heart wants. That's all I can ask out of you. And I was like, Clayton, why are you still asking for things from her? You shouldn't be asking <laughs> what her for anything. What you should be anything. doing is asking nothing. Ask, yeah. Just ask nothing of any of them. Yeah. Just be like, I wish for you, Gabby, to find someone who will treat you with more care than I did. <laughs> Goodbye. Enjoy Enjoy your stay in Iceland. Inside, Rachel Courtesy is crying of Airbnb. on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we will get to Airbnb. Inside, Rachel is crying on the floor. And she's like, this is the worst thing that could have happened. Um, I'm just going to be the last one, even though he didn't choose me. And then Gabby and Clayton come back up the stairs. Gabby immediately goes to Rachel and apologizes for making her wait. And Rachel <sighs> says, stop it, stop it. And they hug. And she's like, are you okay? I loved this moment. I was this like, is you a very sweet moment. Probably run away together. I have two... Two notes that I think are important here. The first is one that just says Gabby and Rachel kiss challenge, which is (laughs) just because like it happened on the Australian Bachelor. Why can't we have women fall in love with each other on our Bachelor? One year, every season happened for me. And the second note I have is that like I had never realized this before, but something about the way that Rachel was essentially saying the like Meredith Grey pick me, choose me, love me statement Mm -hmm. made me realize that like. One of the things these guys have going for them is that three, two other women who you respect and like, like him, right? So it's like if you met Mm. someone's ex-girlfriends and they were all cool, right? And you're like, oh, okay, well, like, if these two women I think are really cool and smart dated him, then, like, that's a huge buoy to his standing. Yeah. Not only did they date him, they're still dating right. him. So like, so like the minute they, they both leave, Rachel's like, "Oh shit, does this mean that yeah. he's actually bad?" Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. you. It's like you have a really good candidate for a job with great references, yes. and all of a sudden, the references have been Gone. like, "I can no longer back this one up," and you're like, "Oh no." Yeah. <laughs> There was also a moment where Rachel looked at Gabby sort of meaningfully and I almost felt and like asked if she was okay. And I almost felt like Rachel was being like, are they making you? Yeah. yeah. Like blink, blink twice if you're a hostage. (laughs) And uh, Gabby's like, no, no, it's it's fine. He did convince me via the sunk cost fallacy that I don't want to go back out there. I'm so close to bagging this perfect love and I'll never have to date again. And they reset. Clayton offers Gabby the rose again because, as we now know, rejection is not an option. <laughs> She's, and like, been worn down and is, like, fine, <laughs> yes. She's, like, okay. The fact that he convinced her to come back really upsets me. Like, me too. I think this it, was, like, maybe the biggest mistake mm-hmm. that he made. Like, the amount of effort put into convincing these two women to stay rather than spending time reflecting on what his feelings actually were, which is it's very clear are that like he continues to love Susie the most. And I feel like it does disrespect Gabby's boundaries in a certain way. Like she's very emotional. She's very worn out. She's very upset to pressure her to stay after she has already tried to walk away is a violation to me of, of the boundary she set. And I did not Mm -hmm. like that. I think I was tweeting at this point. I was just like, for fuck's sake, just let her go. Clayton, like just, 
yeah. just let and her And we now go. know he regrets letting Susie yeah. go. We find out later. He's like, I should have worn her down well, more. that's the thing that I couldn't, like, reckon in all of this is I was like, all of this is about Susie. Like, the reason you don't mm-hmm. want right. Gabby to leave isn't about Gabby. You're not like, I'm in love with Gabby. Please don't go. It's you. You're like, Susie left, and that felt bad. So Gabby shouldn't leave either. <laughs> no one else. No one leave. else leaves. Yes. Right. Like everyone else. Yes. Stays. And I'm like, this is not. We're all staying on yes. this ship. <laughs> and I'm like, this is also like, Rachel's in a lose lose situation here, right? Because it's like, if they both leave, now your boyfriend is, and you hate him. And if Gabby comes back, <laughs> he's just raced down the stairs to convince Gabby to stay. Yeah. So I'm like, there's no way either of these relationships work out. Like, Awful. all of this is fucked. Both Go of home. these women. <laughs> I suspect both of both these women of these are in the worst position. Are going to have left this bubble and been like, dear Lord, we dodged a bullet. Yeah. Rachel's gonna be like, there will be men who wanna marry a hot pilot and out she's there. Right. And <laughs> she's yeah, very right. there. She's gonna realize. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So Susie, as we've been saying, definitely is the main character of this whole episode, although she doesn't appear. And After Gabby accepts the rose, Clayton is like, I'm sorry, I'm just fighting for all of this because I care. And anyway, I'm excited to introduce you both to my family and we'll just like go from there, I guess. (laughs) And (laughs) he just looks, he's like, he doesn't really seem excited to introduce them to his family. He doesn't seem to want to be there with them. He's literally just like, I guess we'll just keep doing this. I don't even want to toast. And Gabby's like, I guess we can toast to trusting ourselves enough to be here. And then after they toast, Clayton just starts muttering, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) This is brutal. And uh, in her in the moment, Gabby says that Clayton allowed space for what she was really feeling and expressed the value and uniqueness of what they have. And she does feel she's falling in love with him. And I think that's really the best thing that you can ever say about Clayton in one of these conversations is that by virtue of not knowing what to say and being silent, he sometimes is able to allow space for what the other person (laughs) is feeling. Not always, but sometimes. (laughs) We're going to just skip this panel that they have with some Bachelor Nation regulars because it's filler. But thank you for Michelle, Claire, and Nick for They all looked really hot. So that was my main takeaway. And it's now time for Clayton's family to meet Clayton's enormous mistake and also the two women who are considering moving past that mistake with him. His poor his family parents. just thought they were like being treated to a, a nice trip to Iceland to like pat their yeah. large son on the back and meet some nice ladies. And yeah, instead, they were like, we're going to see it meet a blonde and a brunette. We're going to point at one and be like, she seems great. And then we're going to stare out of our giant picture window at the grass of Iceland. I did want to stay in this Airbnb. It looked okay. really nice. <laughs> okay, so his parents, Kelly and Brian, and two brothers, Nate and Patrick, are in this living room of this Airbnb gathered around a giant window as if it's a TV. And they're like, we're in this cozy place we found on Airbnb. Look at this view. It's incredible. It mostly kind of just looks like grass. Yeah. With some snow. But they seem to really like the view. Maybe it's losing something in translation via the TV. They're all decked out in these cozy sweaters by the fire. 
It's like a JCPenney ad. It really is. A lot of like red and black. And so they're there snug as a bug in a rug in their Airbnb. What a great company. And <laughs> brands are good. The brand integration is seamless. <laughs> no one noticed it. And I think. <laughs> His brother is smirking, as he said. He's like, we found this Airbnb. He's like, so crazy. My parents just happened upon (laughs) this Airbnb on Airbnb.com. A very good company. (laughs) And Clayton then joins them with a lot of enthusiasm. He's like, let's go. Big hand clap. He's ready. I was just glad to see that some of Clayton's signature tailgate energy made it into even yeah. this emotionally traumatic episode. He can't it's be really stopped. Like, it's like the moment where you enter, like the, the quarterback like enters the locker room before the big game. And he's like, let's go, man. Let's, <laughs> like, let's, let's do it. You know, I watch a lot of sports. And um, I just imagine being Clayton's parents and you're like our large adult son who just like is a soft teddy bear. How nice it is to see him. And then immediately he's like secretly inside. I'm a demon from hell. And they're like, no, I know. <laughs> there is a moment where you can see it happening. Their they're so faces. happy to see him. And they seem like i I was concerned about this based on previews. I thought it seemed like they were going to be unnecessarily super hard on him. In context, I think they were very fair and and kind. Yeah, and they, they, it was compassionate, they, tough love. The the promo yeah. made it seem harsher than it was. Yeah, and the ways that promos do. Yeah. And Clayton sits down and is like, so great to see you guys. Anyway, I'm in a tough spot. I never meant to fall in love with multiple women, but I fell in love with three and this is when you see everyone's face <laughs> fall and his mom starts looking at him like she doesn't even know who he is his mom She's is like, like looking is for the exits she like can i get off camera in some way i don't know this airbnb seems like a trap <laughs> I, his dad is like oh my god it's happening i oh, this i came here with the highest of hopes and it's a debacle and he tells them what happened with Susie and how she issued this um, firm line of hers. And his dad says, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then he explains that he told her that he had had sex with the other women, that he had told them that he f- was falling in love with them. And that so Susie left. And his dad is like, that's understandable. <laughs> and Clayton is like, this isn't going how I expected. <laughs> and... He says, well, I love these two women so much, but I also love Susie. I wish I never would have fallen in love with three women. My heart didn't want to do it, but my mind wanted to go there. And now it fucked everything up. You know how it is when your heart doesn't want to fall in love, but your mind just goes ahead and falls in love without any permission? (laughs) That darn rational mind that's just like, fall in love. Yesterday when you were leaving, you yelled I love you to someone, and then today your brain just forced you to do it again. Remember that? Yeah. (laughs) That's how brains work. It's like he's been wound up like a little wind-up toy. Like, he's just like, they just like, turn the little key and then they're like all right go say i love you to someone else and he's like here i go i have no memory of what happened yesterday uh so there's a pause as his family processes who their son and brother truly is and his mom is like uh so how can you be in love with three people and his dad is like 
you have to understand they don't want to be second or third. They want to be first. You have to take a step back and say they have a right to be upset with you. His dad is really a, on point. A Honestly. Great emotional intelligence on this man. And he's just – look, uh, I am not the mother of a son, but I can see – that there is a lot of there are a lot of opportunities for disappointment when you <laughs> raise a white man. It's always terrifying because you watch these things and you're like, wow, it looks like he has parents with a lot of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and like, you know, they understand how to handle, you know, these things. And yet they raised like a 28 year old man who is just flailing around <laughs> out there. And like, how does that happen? And how do I prevent that from happening? <laughs> Claire's like taking, like, oh no, like do the opposite. (laughs) Oh no, oh no, no. Every day I tell my two year old son, please do not tell two women (laughs) that you are in love with both of them unless you are in a consensual polyamorous relationship. (laughs) And he's like, truck? (laughs) (laughs) You have to start young. The whole time Claire's dad was talking, I was like, wow, Jesse is really not good at this. Because I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, Nate I think Clayton's I, dad, the host of The Bachelor. He's I think I tweeted that. <laughs> I think I tweeted that. I, I, yeah, I was like, Clayton's parents should really take over for Jesse. Like, here is some value add, some like nice, tough love. Some real some, questions. They're making some, re- yeah, asking the right questions, making the right points. Like, Wow. I feel like Jesse is really doing more like sideline reporting. Like he's like, so Clayton, what were you feeling while you were out there on the field? And then he's like, were you expecting that play? And Clayton's just like, yeah, no, no, that was that was really tough. But like the team all came together. <laughs> like it's that level yes. of like of like incisive question. And even in sports reporting, it often seems like insufficient. And here it's really not enough. But Clayton's parents are ready to fill this gap and to be like, no one is telling you that you really fucked up, but like you really fucked up. And Clayton doesn't seem to be absorbing it. Like he knows they're upset and it's changing his tone, but he just keeps like kind of resetting and being like, yeah, they did take it really hard. And like, yeah, they're going through a lot. And anyway, I'm really excited for you to meet them. They could be your future daughter-in-law. And I'm like, Clayton, are you reading that your parents think that you like irredeemably fucked this up and like it's maybe over? Or this is, this are you is just not accepting dad, that? His dad just laughs and is like, I love you no matter what happens, <laughs> but you screwed the pooch in my opinion. And he's right. There's also some truly yeah. great sibling behavior in this scene, which is that both <laughs> his brothers are like leaning forward when he first sits down. And then as soon as he starts talking are immediately out of the camera, like are leaning back. <laughs> and I'm like, you know that they're just like looking at each other like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like, we don't want to be associated with this. We would we like instead out. to separate ourselves <laughs> so that we can maybe slide into the DMs yes. of some of his like, yeah, we're like hotter we, we will leave this one to mom and dad that seems to be the wise move yeah so they get through this and it they're gonna be meeting gabby clayton's like it will be tough to talk to gabby because i don't know if you know if she's the consolation prize if the love of your life has already left and clayton's like don't look at them as a consolation prize they're not 
and maybe one of them will be your future daughter-in-law. His and parents she's are like, like, no, they won't. No, I know that she's not like a consolation prize. She's like, I don't know if you're treating her that way. And I do not feel reassured after that statement. But like, okay, let's Honey, go. Honey, we're all so proud of you that you made JV quarterback. And like, we're glad that you feel <laughs> proud of that too and are not at all upset that you weren't varsity. Uh, he goes to get Gabby also there's an amazing moment where he's like I want you guys to ask the tough questions but also understand they're going through a lot right now and I was like you don't need to tell them that they know that they're going through a lot they seem to understand that better than you do somehow (laughs) but he just like came in with his little script not understanding how this conversation was gonna go at all so he goes to get Gabby who somehow looks fresh-faced and smiling I would not at all. And he's like, hey, hi, I love you. It's so great to see. Well, Stop. He just keeps saying it. Stop saying it's it. Compulsive. Say anything else. Say anything else. You've now turned saying I love you to them into like a trigger. It's like a point of trauma for them now. It doesn't feel good to, for them to hear that. And so Gabby is like, oh, God, they might really be holding it against me that I almost walked away. She has no idea that they're all, like, trying to redeem the good name of the Eckerd family after Clayton <laughs> fucked it up so bad. And they're, she walks in and they're all like, Gabby, we hope that you're part of the family soon. You seem great. We've exchanged three words, but you're probably better than Clayton. So thank you for being here. Oh, my here. God. They're just like, okay, okay, we got we to gotta put our best foot forward how can we make up for what our idiot son has done i also just think (laughs) thank you for being here if you're a parent and you're like my son has been a complete idiot to these like two lovely young women like how do you keep yourself from parenting them too right from being like you're gonna be okay you're really great right like you should completely ignore my son and make decisions based on what you want (laughs) yeah I think they do end up kind of parenting Gabby and Rachel. And I don't think that's a bad decision. Gabby and Rachel are going through this without their own parents present. And they're pretty much alone except for producers who, again, are really the masterminds behind their suffering. Yeah, do not have their best interests at heart. And so, of course, Clayton's mom sits with Gabby and is like, you seem so lovely. Like, I hope you're... Okay. Gabby's like, Clayton said some things that were very hurtful. And, you know, I thought I had to leave, but I am falling in love. And her mom, his mom is like, yeah, no, of course he did say things that were very hurtful. (laughs) Like, that's, that's very hard. And so Gabby is there to kind of like make the case, but the parents are both just there to be like, you seem great. Like, it's honestly. Yeah, they're just like, we're, we're, so grateful that you even showed up and like maybe you you didn't have to do that yeah she's like i'm sorry i almost didn't show up and they're like oh my god that would have been a great decision (laughs) but you know hey who knows maybe this will be a good decision too like Like, he's not all bad it's also like the way your parents build you up when they know that you're not going to get something that you want right like it's like you're oh my god you're doing so great right like no matter how this turns out tomorrow like i'm really proud of you and i think that you have been really brave i'm like oh my god yeah mate that's so true and he uh she sits with clayton's dad and he tells her that he really respects actually that she walked away after what happened and you know that he loves her sense of humor and her joy and 
Clayton's so she, father has now articulated more specific things that he <laughs> enjoys about Gabby in like two minutes. And also more like understanding of the emotional yeah. dynamic that she's in than, than Clayton oh ever has. And he too is like, you know, it's a really a shame what happened, but maybe it could make you guys stronger. I don't know. And he says something actually really funny. He's like, I like Gabby. She's got a good head on her shoulders. And not many people could go through that discussion that they had last night and then come look someone's parents in the eye. (laughs) And that is not like a statement from how he says it to me about how Gabby should be embarrassed to meet them, but about how like, he's like, I can't believe that our son did that to her and she still could like come be so nice to us. (laughs) And I feel the same way. The way Gabby and Rachel rally is beyond me. But after this, Gabby feels good, I guess. That's what's so, so. upsetting to me, though, about the this, like, both of their scenes is that it's like, they do clearly love him, right? Like, they come in here and meet his parents and are like, oh, my God, this was great, right? Like, I love this man and I got to meet his family and, like, see his weird personality traits in a generation older. And, like, I... This is great. I'm so happy. I feel really connected to you. And it's like, no, it's just an impending train wreck. Yeah, that they're like getting these good conversations in with his parents. And they're like, oh, see, like when he grows up, he will be really emotionally intelligent. Who knows? Still a mystery. And so, yeah, she's bonded to him more than ever. And she feels she made the right decision. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Can you keep up? I like love it. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm-hmm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like, I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince. But I also have gotten really into, like, their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible neoprene weekender bag, and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful, and I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. 
If you're a wine lover, here's a little secret. There is a personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to discover new wines you're guaranteed to enjoy. To start, you just answer a few questions on their website about what flavors you like, how often you drink wine, and if you prefer red, white, or rosé. As always, I love a quiz. (laughs) And based on the answers that you give, First Leaf curates a really amazing selection of wines. Just for you. Later, when you rate those wines, your wine selection gets even more tailored. Choose when the wine is delivered and how often to get new assortments of wine. If you want wine pairing advice or to talk about the wines in your box, you can always speak with one of their First Leaf experts. As someone who loves wine but really doesn't know much about why I like certain bottles and what it goes with, this is such an incredible way to get to know your own taste in wine better. I know. I totally agree. I got to try the Chenin Blanc from South Africa that is part of First Leaf's premium wines collection, and it was so good, and it was not something that I would have necessarily picked out myself a quiz, and good wine. I mean, everyone's winning here. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI to get your first box. That's T-R-Y firstleaf.com slash LTSI. Tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. And we're back. And Jesse is doing his job by telling us to grab some more wine. Again, Jesse, add anything. Add anything of value. I've obviously already filled up my wine glass like three times. I didn't need to be told. He's like, lock your pets in the basement. (laughs) Crack open a bottle of gin straight to the face. Because we really harmed some people emotionally to make this. And yeah, you, you might want to dull your reaction to this one. And we think that alcohol could be helpful in that. I actually did kind of react to that statement because I was like, usually when they split the Bachelor finale into two parts, it's like, okay, emotional trauma, everyone feels bad. Lighter, everything's a little okay. Tomorrow night, things are going to get better. And Jesse's like, nothing's getting yeah. better. Everything's getting worse. Yeah. I was like, oh no. Yeah, there Tomorrow will be should... no respite from <laughs> Tomorrow, this Tomorrow, pop an aspirin and a Xanax <laughs> before the episode starts. Like, this is going to sting. Shots beforehand. And... Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's Rachel's turn to meet the family. And she's still really hurt from the rose ceremony. And she keeps bringing this up from Clayton being so distraught over Susie. I think it's very astute that she is yeah. picking up on the fact that Susie is the reason that he is upset, even though his other two relationships are in crisis. And she says, this is my first time seeing him since he broke my heart. And they embrace awkwardly. They kiss. He's grinning. He's like, thanks for sticking it out with me. Really reading the emotional (laughs) tenor again. And... (sighs) Meanwhile, the family is inside, wondering what they'll see with Rachel. They all loved Gabby. His brother is like, we saw the attraction with Gabby, but maybe with Rachel it'll be, like, more, like, going off of them. Like, radioactivity. Like, they're going to be, like, throwing off light. And no, it's not going to be that. Uh, His family has had some space to reflect on what they learned about their son and come to terms with it. And his dad is like, we're ready now to help him get some clarity. And they greet Rachel warmly. 
they talk some more about Airbnb and how they were able to find this wonderful place on Airbnb. <laughs> and his mom then goes to talk to Rachel. And Rachel also came very prepared to just be like, I love your son so much. And he's so perfect and wonderful. I trust him completely. And his parents are like, what? <laughs> They're like, why? You, you probably shouldn't. That seems unwise. This is... Yeah. This is where I have to just, like, remind myself they don't have phones. They have no access to their friends. They have to, like, process this with only people whose only goal it is to make them feel more, make things more dramatic. And, like, I'm just imagining if one of these women called me after this experience, I would be like, are you fucking, like, no, you're not meeting his parents tomorrow or out of your mind, right? Like, anyone's (laughs) friend would be like, run, That is exactly why they have to keep all of these people Mm -hmm. completely isolated. Yeah, they all have to stay in Iceland until the season is officially over, including Susie, as we learn. Um, And so Rachel is telling Clayton's mom, you know, this relationship still deserves my all. And I'd always wonder what if, if I left it, he's perfect for me. And his mom is like, so if he proposed, you would be willing to accept? <laughs> Which I was hilarious wording. She was like, you would take that? And Rachel's like, yeah. And her mo- his mom says that Rachel's willingness to stay spoke volumes. And that if she didn't want to stay, honestly, that would be great too. <laughs> but no, it's, it's really great that you stayed. And oh. Rachel then sits with his dad, Brian, and tells him that Clayton has always really seen and heard her and that when they exchanged I love you's, she'd never felt something like that before. She says, he's given me every reason to trust him. And his dad is like, do you? (laughs) Do you trust him? I would have smacked him. (laughs) And Rachel loosens up a little bit here. She's like, oh, they're like on my side. (laughs) She like is like, it was very emotional, but I'm so in love with him. Uh. God. His dad is fully just like, why are these women here? Like, what are they thinking? He's right. Yeah, his dad is like, Jesus, this is, what a mess. And and after Rachel leaves, Clayton's like, dad, do you have any thoughts? And his dad is like, look, you're, you're really going to hurt someone. You have to tune in to your heart and your desires and like move forward in a, in a way that reflects that. And Clayton's still just like, what's my mind saying? What's my heart saying? Who can say? Yeah. Again, he's with the, like, my mind is in love with multiple people and my heart is being suppressed in some way. He's confused. My heart is actually only in love with one person, but my mind is, he's like, my heart has been yelling louder and louder, but my mind has been telling me to stay open. I'm just like, why? Why can't you take 10 minutes and close your eyes and imagine proposing and who is in front of you? Like, just do this one little exercise, and then we have an answer. Like, Yeah, or do the thing where you, like, pretend that the other two women fall down a volcano <laughs> shaft with each of them and see how you feel. It's like, oh, no, Gabby and, and Susie went on an excursion, and they died, and now it's just Rachel. Am happy? I happy to be with Rachel, or he am I like, oh, think fuck, Susie's ahead. dead. He, he can't do it. And so he goes and stands outside in his open parka and is like, I really love Rachel and Gabby, 
but I can't stop thinking about I have Susie. to say, I am obsessed <sighs> with the production quality on this section where they're just cutting between Clayton looking sad and ponies the frolicking in a field. Oh, I love the ponies. I was like, this. <laughs> This is incredible. I love it. I'm like, they're like one step away from doing like the Sex in the City season two ending, do it. where he's like, maybe yeah. I am a wild horse who can't yeah. be tamed. Like he does have curly oh. hair. <laughs> <laughs> this wild pony can't be broken, <laughs> and except by Susie, except by Susie. It's also, just like the ponies. I, so I went to Iceland in 2014 and the ponies are so cute. They're like really mm-hmm. exciting. And so it was like just incredible to me to watch this man being like, I am so upset as he stares at a field of frolicking You're like, ponies. Look at these cute I'm like, look ponies. At them. They're so happy. <laughs> Maybe they cut out like two hours of him being like, I just really yeah. want to watch these ponies right now. Could you like take a step? Um, so <laughs> inside his family are sharing their thoughts and they're like, okay, so we're all on the same page. Both these women are great. He could pick either. We'd be happy. Right. So like, we don't know what the issue is. Clayton comes back in and his dad's like, so what's the problem? You got these two great women. Like, what's your co- con- conflict here? And Clayton says, it's not problems with the women. When I'm with each of them, it's real. And I love them. But with you guys being so supportive and telling me to just follow my heart, wherever it goes, it helped me see where my heart really is. It's beyond these walls. With Susie. Again, again, his mother starts looking for the exits, just absolutely (laughs) panicking. They're like, we really thought we were getting through to him, and we were wrong. Yeah, because this is like when you tell your friend, like, you know, you just really need to listen to your heart right now because your friend is crying because they hate their boyfriend. And you're like, please just, like, follow your intuition and make a decision that will help everyone. And then they're like, you're right. I do really love him. And you're like, no. They're like, no, you're right. The issue is that we need to move in together. (laughs) And you're like, like, wait. (laughs) Is are you sure that's what your intuition is telling you right now? Um, And so his he's like, what I had with Susie was just a little bit more special. And his dad says she didn't think so. (laughs) And his mom says she left you. And Clayton's like, it's not that simple. You guys weren't there. And his dad is like, no, it is that simple. Like, she it left. It literally is. She left. She she walked away. Um, and in this moment, Clayton agrees with many of his uh, Twitter critics. He's like, I stopped listening to her. She never stopped talking until I saw her out. So I was really the one who He's like, it. I cut off the conversation, which like he sort did. Of. But also she was very clear in that yeah. she couldn't move forward. So and also he didn't the whole time they were having that fight. He was saying, like, can't we just go to the fantasy suite and talk about this in private? Like, can we please just like. Let's go to the fantasy mm-hmm. suite. Let's right. continue and she, this conversation. She wasn't willing and she to. Didn't want to. She right. wanted she didn't to leave. Want to. <laughs> yeah, he's fixating on that one moment where he was very cold to her and walked her out while she wanted to put like maybe a nicer emotional bow on the conversation. And he did fuck up by doing that. But I don't think that that's because it's not because it would have changed to win her over. Right. Exactly. And like Clayton's dad at this point is like, I think you're grasping at straws. This is history. She left like, yeah, it's over. It's over. Clayton's like, well, I, I think that there's something worth fighting for. And his brother is like, well, why didn't you fight for her then before she left if this is how you felt? 
And Clayton's like, well, I was really overwhelmed at the time, but now I really think I could get through to her. And then Clayton's dad says this again, which I thought was very astute. When someone walks away from you, they're gone. It's finished. You're too caught up in the one that got away. And I think what he's seeing here is that he's like, my son is caught up in narratives and not in his actual feelings for actual human women. Yeah. And I I was so conflicted about what I thought had how this had all played out because I think a lot of us thought that it was Rachel based on how they interacted and comparing to the other relationships. And part of me was like, did he just decide it was Susie because it was so upsetting to be dumped by her? I think that could be it. But I also, and I'm sure it played into how this all happens, but I also think that like the way he talks about how this all played out Makes it sound like he did think it was. I Susie. think he did think it was Susie because That's he's like they what wanted. I've taken away from he this. said on on Caitlin Bristow's podcast that he wanted that he was told by production to save her sweet until last because or so else that he, he would, would stay down. open. Yeah, right. Like these these ideas that like he had that slightly stronger feeling for Susie, and it's definitely now intersecting at least at minimum with the fact that he doesn't like that she escaped. If that's true though, then Susie is absolutely right. If it is true that he knew it was Susie the whole time, why did he tell the other two that he was in love with them? Like she's right then. Right. And like, that's the thing. What, what I couldn't get over, like, I think his dad is right. I was like, yes, thank you. Screaming at my TV when the dad was like, (laughs) you're focused on the one that got away is that like, he, cannot stand if one of these women has more power than he does right like Susie walked away which gave her control of their decision of her decision and he hates that Gabby tried to leave which was of her own volition and he didn't want her to do that so that's not allowed right and it's like it's unclear to me if he even knows like oh I want Susie to come back so that I can send the other two women home or if he's just like I need Susie also here that's interesting. I don't I don't know. I, I didn't read I, it as like necessarily the main factor was his desire for controlling mm-hmm. them. That, although that is like definitely possible. I don't, I don't mean to say it's his main con- main desire. I just mean to say that like I think it bothers him. Like that she chose no. to leave and he didn't get a say in it. I don't think he can like I think you're completely right. That's how this has played out. At like it's not that he's in his mind being like, I wanna control these women. Mm-hmm. But I think it's true that he is very uncomfortable with the relationships ending on someone else's yeah. terms. Yeah. And so to pursue Gabby when he wasn't sure it was her at that point speaks to that for sure. And and the fact I that like that. And and to now be in this situation, if he was really in love with all of them, and that's why he had to say it to them, and that's why he had to have sex with them, then, like, it would be, I'm sorry, it would be okay that one of them left. He could continue in the process. Right, right. And, and what this is exposing is that, is that that wasn't, that likely wasn't true. Yeah. But like and it, it seems was like on some, some level he knew that. Right, in some, on some level he was aware that his strongest feelings lay with Susie. And if that was something he was aware of, then what he should have done was immediately cut off the other two relationships. 
when he realized that. Right. Or yeah. go to the fantasy suite and don't sleep with them. Or don't say right. I love you to them. Right. 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 There or, are million... or be tactical and, and protect these relation the relationship you want to protect in in a way that does it justice. Like it's he just handled this all so poorly. I think we, it's a step. What you guys yeah. are saying about like his inability to think ahead is what is like really that is really ringing true to me. Is that it's like he couldn't think if I sleep with Rachel and tell her that I love her, that will have consequences on my other relationships. Right. He was just like, ah, I am Forge feeling ahead, good. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, this is brutal. So, I think it's totally fair. And I stand by this for Clayton to explore all the relationships and the fantasy suites. But the idea that he had to say I love you to all of them was a terrible idea to begin with. But it's especially a terrible idea if he did have an idea that it was one of them specifically. Like, it just kind of, to me, does away with his emotional justification of, like, I just felt equally open to all of you. And so I had to continue pursuing it. I don't know. It's, I obviously feel like it's within the parameters of the show to have physical intimacy in the fantasy suites. But, like, we're now getting down to the nitty-gritty of, like, why did you treat all these relationships as if they were the same? And, and as if they give each of them that feeling. As if they weren't happening concurrently and wouldn't thus have an impact on each other. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. Like he he is allowed to make whatever decisions he he wants. He is. And I think it's he I stand by the fact that I think he was allowed to expect someone to perhaps lay out their expectations around around sex specifically. Um, because that is sort of implied in the structure of the show. But he doesn't seem capable now of understanding why his actions are now having a negative impact on where this, like, quote-unquote journey is going from here. And I think that is that is the error. And that is why I think we've repeatedly said throughout the season, he's just – he's bad at this job. Because being good at this job includes protecting yourself. And part of that is – having a clear understanding of your own desires and having enough emotional intelligence to be able to grasp what the people that you're in these relationships with might be feeling and desiring and needing. And I think if, you know, it's one thing if if he came into this conversation with Susie and she was like, did you have sex with anyone else or say that you were in love with them? And he said, well, I did have physical intimacy or whatever. I did sleep with them, but I haven't said I love you to anyone else. Would that have changed the conversation? I don't know, but I do think it would change perhaps the way the rest of this played out. I yeah. think that Gabby and Rachel were both very hurt by specifically the fact that he said, I love you to both of them, even though I think Gabby at least was very explicit that she understood that sex was on the table in all of these dates, and she would have gotten past that. And I think that, like a lot of the emotional damage here was from him overstepping the parameters of this show structure in a very careless way. And to then do it and then be like, I sort of knew it was Susie all along. It's just like, yeah, I, I, I do agree with what you guys said last week. I think that like both of them miscommunicated 
in this situation, right? Like, I don't think Susie is right at all to be like, I had some parameter for you. I did not articulate. And then you went against it. And now I am like, you're like holding you to this law that you didn't know existed. Like, I think that's extremely fucked up. But I think that that whole relationship clearly did not have the communication it needed to have. And that is a reoccurring problem with these three women. It's like you, as the lead, have to communicate. You have to communicate the expectations of what you want from other people and also what the weeks mean. Like, it doesn't seem out of line to say that, like, he probably should have talked to each of these women and been like, hey, fantasy suites are next week. Is there anything that you want me to know, want to clarify, want have feelings about? Because if you prop open that door and she says nothing, that's on her. I think it also, when you're speaking, it's it's striking me that like this is also part of what the show trades on is not leaving space for communication because the show gets these little like pieces of true human, like traumatic emotional response when there isn't space for good communication. And it almost takes a lead being really self-aware and forcing that space open, which they are able to do, but not necessarily encouraged to do. Right. You're right. Because even in this scenario where we have the question of like, is he going to go talk to Susie? I assume yes. The at, yes. No, at no point was it clear when she was leaving what she wanted. Right. Like she was like, I'm leaving. I don't want to go to the fantasy suite. But it was not like, I don't know. I'm really confused about what's going to happen tonight. Like my brain feels crazy. Yeah, I there's there's a lot going a lot going a lot going on. I and my feelings about this are just I feel like they're shifting, but mostly it's just that they're very complex. And I think a lot of things went awry here um, and production wanted that to happen. Um, But at this point, I'm just coming back to, I mean, Susie's, Clayton says Susie was a once in a lifetime woman and his mom is like, okay, so then like, why did you screw that up? And I think that is where my feeling is coming in now that like, if he does feel like he doesn't love the other women enough to continue with them and to leave Susie in the past, then he's not really in love with them. And he did have Susie in his heart the whole time and and he fumbled the ball and that's that's kind of coming to me stronger in this episode I guess also the Susie episode was always going to air on television right like when Mm -hmm. you're standing in front of them at this rose ceremony you know that you getting that passionate and that mad and saying I love you the most is going to be on television So you either need to clarify what happened there immediately or let them go home. Yeah. Right? Like, how would you ever salvage that? Like, how could you explain to your now fiancé, like, oh, no, no, no. That was just the heat of the moment. It's like, what? (laughs) I think they were so excited to finally have an opportunity to basically get the fallout on camera. Like, you would hear hints like Lauren uh, Bushnell used to sort of hint at this with Ben Higgins yeah. that he said, I love you to Jojo as well. But that caused a, she tweeted something vague about it the other yeah. day when this was airing. She was like, oh, uh, yeah, it really was hard to see that that had happened and to hear that that had happened. And then even more so later to see it. Um, but we didn't see them have that conversation, I don't think. And we 
definitely didn't see her watch the show. And so they were like, oh, now we're going to get that fallout that normally will be dealt with, like, in couples therapy by the engaged couple. Now it's all happening on on camera in this very charged environment. And it sucks. And we're all, including Clayton's brother, Nate, are just like, nothing can shock us anymore. (laughs) And then... In walks Jesse Palmer, and they're like, who is this guy who looks exactly like our brother? No. Um, He sits down, and he says to Clayton's parents, I care about our, I'm sorry, I care about your son so much. Our son. And I want him to be happy. He's like, I'm the father. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been steering your son yeah. so poorly through this process. He's like Clayton has did inherit his emotional intelligence from me. From me. Jesse <laughs> yeah, <Palmer>. it's true. <laughs> they bring out the twenty three and me samples. They're like, <sighs> yeah, they're like, sorry, he did get the gene for mixing up the relationships and treating them very carelessly from me. Uh, my bad. And Clayton tells Jesse that he wants another chance with Susie, and Jesse says, Clayton. Susie is still in Iceland. And Clayton's like, oh, great, perfect. Like, can I have another chance with her? And Jesse says, after tomorrow, you will know how this ends. I mean, I hope, I assume so. I, that is when the show ends. So, presu- normally. The timeline here is very confused. <laughs> like, they keep, like, in real time, in, like, an hour timeline, being like, none of us know how this ends. Like, we won't know until the finale airs. We, I, I don't even know. Jesse Palmer. And then within the world of the show, they're like, you're going to know for sure by they tomorrow. They did this with Jason Mesnick. They were like, <sighs> none of this knows, none of us know how, how this ends. And then it became, like, after the, I'm like, I'm stressed about tonight because I'm like, who knows? At, at, at this point, this I'm means. like, they're going to bring back Susie. He's going to bring them all to proposal <sighs> yep. day. It's He's gonna... going to try to propose to Susie and get rejected. He's going to yep. dump the other two. I, and yeah. then he's going to show up on After the Final Rose and be like, I'm in love with Teddy. Teddy, yep. will you marry yep. me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like, Kira and I have gone on a date since she shot yeah. her shot at Women's <laughs> I mean, yeah, the only thing I can think of is that, like, what Jesse means by we don't know is that they are going to try to force yeah. some sort of reconciliation with someone on After the yeah, Final Rose. absolutely. <sighs> Kira's definitely watching this, by the way, and being like, I take okay. back my... <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know anymore. I think he needs some time to process read a book about emotional intelligence and back in the studio (laughs) we end with another bachelor nation panel this time it's caitlin bristow rodney matthews and cassie randolph (laughs) which what please protect cassie from this franchise yeah like it was so weird to trot cassie out a woman who was pressured presumably by the show to stay and in a relationship the and, mm-hmm. and the lead, but like also like encouraged by the structure of the show and is now being like used by the show. Like that part. And to be clear, by a man, to, she was pressured to stay with a man who she later who, alleged stopped, who stopped her. her. Right. After. Like in pretty like terrifying this, fashion. Yeah, like this relationship obviously was not healthy. And then she's being trotted out by the show to like I guess give Susie permission not to be pressured yeah. by yeah, the yeah. lead on the show like it just felt very off for, from for me I was like just, uh, leave leave Cassie alone I don't know 
it's just they're all pulling all the levers. So for them to come, like, bring her out and be like, a woman who was victimized right. the last time this happened has some words of wisdom. Right. They, what they, are the they? The show Don't loves to take him back? present this weird facade that, like, they are not culpable for any of it. And that is not to mm. take away personal responsibility from the people who are making these decisions, like, within the world of the show. But it's also ridiculous to pretend that there isn't production and emotional manipulation and engineering going on. Like, yeah, there's definitely this sense of like, well, if we were so bad to them, why would they be here? If we were such a bad franchise, why would Cassie come on and give us her opinion? And it's like, well, there are a lot of reasons why she would do that, actually, because you ruined her life. Right. Right. And like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you guys. As soon as I saw her, I was like, no. And I was also like, please let Caitlin be the host again. She's so much better. (laughs) Also, I desperately want Caitlin's very sexy bodysuit that she was wearing. And I did look it up and it's unfortunately $425. But, you know, if anyone listening would like to get me a gift or can find it on sale, please, please let me know. Yeah. Jesse does. uh, Caitlin's in an interesting position. Listening to her podcast with Clayton was interesting to me because she clearly very much identifies with Clayton because she was a messy lead Mm -hmm. and she hurt some people on her show. She had issues with her fiance after the show because of decisions that were made on the show. We were very much on Caitlin's side in that and remain on Caitlin's (laughs) side. And she was dragged through the mud for basically sleeping with Nick before fantasy suites. And so she's really sympathetic to Clayton. She And she's basically like, it's really hard. He needs to still take risks and follow what his heart really wants. And like, for better or worse, I think she's essentially right. That like, there's no reason, there, no, nothing good comes of him being like, I guess I have to propose to Rachel yeah. or Gabby. No. Instead, because that, but like, what if he followed his heart and then was like, my heart is leading me to someone who left me and so it's over and so I'm just going to leave quietly and go live in a small cabin I found on Airbnb (laughs) and like lick my wounds, you know? You can follow your heart by like accepting that you are in love with and need to mourn the relationship with someone who has broken up with you. That is still recognizing what's in your heart and honoring it. No, it's not. And it's not like violating Susie. There's an essential narrative of this show, which is that a relationship is useless if it does not end in marriage. Like that is the whole narrative Uh, of The Bachelor. And that that fucked up idea is what is driving, a lot of what is driving this this desperation that I think we're seeing. Like there is so much value in being like, this was really hard and it's not forever. And like, also, I had a really good time, and that doesn't mean I have to marry you. Like, that's fine. Leave. Right. Something yeah. can be valuable and worthwhile and also end. Yes. I just, I think that it is so, like, it's, it's really bothering me how this manifests when a woman wants to leave. Because I do think there is, that it sends a really harmful message about what knowing your your heart is and what pursuing what you what your desires are which is that like if you know what your desire is then there's no reason not to just keep going after it and keep going after it and keep going after it and it's like no there is a reason if they have said no thank you and so you can still like i'm saying like i'm just saying like you can recognize that feeling and accept it 
and know yourself a little bit better and also accept their boundary. And the show does, as you're saying, it's built around you just keep following the thing you love until it's it's over. And that kind of works if they're all continuing to consent to be there. But it doesn't if they've left. Also, and then you're just like, stalking is good, maybe. I don't know. Someone who grew evangelical, my ears are like extremely attuned to evangelical dog mm-hmm. whistles. And like one of them is in the Susie breakup when he is like, you know, based on my faith, I believe everything happens for a reason as he angrily Mm. shoves her into a car, essentially. And it is just like, I know where this is going, which is like the evangelical mindset of like, you pursue the person you love, regardless of what they say, regardless of what they say they want, like just keep trying and maybe eventually they'll cave. And it's like, no, (laughs) not that's not yeah. healthy that's not how a relationship should work both of you need to be entering this willingly Susie has willingly left if she wanted to talk to you they would happily bring her to you yeah no and <laughs> I mean maybe <laughs> at, at the at the time that they deem appropriate like uh, you know i mean listen uh, we said this with cassie and colton and i'll say it now even though i feel quite awful about how things worked out with cassie and colton if she does want to keep exploring the relationship perhaps outside the context of the show if she does still have feelings and wants to give another chance she should have that and so should he if they both still want it but there is just so much pressure and so much that it I think compromises the ability of a woman in this position to give like her free answer and that I just think at at this point it's like no one is being set up to have a healthy relationship and none of this feels good to watch and I think that's like the overwhelming feeling I've been been left with is like everyone should just go home and have a a nice, actually private and ethical therapy session that is not on camera. (laughs) And then they should all sit down on a soundstage (laughs) with Jesse Palmer. No, Claire, no. play it back. (laughs) And Jesse Palmer is like, I think we all know why we're here. Clayton, you were telling me that you still have feelings for someone. And Clayton is like, yeah, I can't stop thinking about Susie. And then they get married, and then they have a baby, and everyone's like, see, it wasn't so bad. Oh, that's Jason Mesnick's season. And And they decided that wasn't dramatic enough. And Ari's. And Ari's. That was worse, (laughs) though, because they did the breakup on camera. I think that's the thing that upset me so much and why I wrote Jason Mesnick in, like, huge letters in my document is that in Jason's season, when he—who was the one he chose at first? Melissa? Melissa. When he first chose Melissa— he loved her. Like, it seemed like he was thrilled to make that decision. And it was only later that he was like, oh, actually, this wasn't the right decision. And going into tonight, I'm like, there is no outcome that makes me feel happy. There's no outcome in which I feel Clayton can be happy. And, like, that sucks. That, like, there's no version that is nice. Like, imagine him, like, successfully getting back with Susie now, after he's been like, you blindsided me, yeah. you betrayed me on a national platform, I don't know who I'm looking at. Yeah. Like, I don't think that he's at all prepared to go into a relationship with her feeling the right kind of, like, 
trust and connection with her, whether he's right or not about whether she betrayed him. I think he's partially right, (laughs) but like he is holding on to a lot of anger and a sense of betrayal and distance from her because of that. There just are are no outcomes, again, that seem to set up a potential healthy relationship. And, like, they should probably just all go and, like, date other people. I just, if you're a producer of The Bachelor, I would like a happy ending, please. One that is real. Sometime soon. (laughs) Like, I understand. Oh, my God. I hate this. I understand the drama is good television. Like, last night was riveting. But what if... What if one couple could be happy? Like, what about well, just, just like also? One? What if what if we, the audience, were given an ending to the show that didn't feel like a minefield of trigger points? Yeah. Like, why is that the outcome that we collectively want? Yeah, I don't. I, I'm sure that they are just like clawing for ratings, but. Um, it's becoming very uncomfortable to participate in. I I kept thinking about the ones who walk away from Omala. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're literally just like enjoying these people being unnecessarily ground up emotionally. There was a world, I truly think, for all of Clayton's flaws, they have guided equally dumb and emotionally incompetent men yes. through this process without yes. causing this much wreckage. And they they I do believe they simply chose not to do that and to do this instead. Yeah, and I that really troubles fully me. Agree. So on that note, I think we have to bring this to an end. What a delightful marathon it's been with you, Kelsey. Thank, <laughs> thank you so you, much Kelsey. for joining thank us. Thank you so much for you, having you've me You've been <laughs> such a wonderful, thoughtful guest, and we are grateful. I can't wait to spend our evening separately but together crying, <laughs> chugging shots of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> And now it's time for love to see it, hate to see it. First up, love to see it. We love to see Gabby laying out exactly how and why Clayton fucked up so hard and thus striking a blow at the very heart of the conceit of The Bachelor. Everything Gabby said this episode, I was obsessed with. A plus. Love her. Uh, Gabby for Bachelorette. (laughs) Love to see Clayton's dad and mom yes being just obviously very disappointed in their son's lack of emotional intelligence and consideration for these women who they recognize are individuals who deserve the world but in a tough love kind of way you know i think they they ultimately offered the correct amount of bluntness for what clayton was capable of receiving he wasn't picking up on anything subtle and they just really laid it out for him and also offered him their their love and support. And I think they really nailed it. Great parenting there. We also, of course, because we are always and forever here to make friends, love to see that moment of like tender connection and support between Rachel and Gabby, two women who just like deserve much better than this show and Clayton have offered them. Yeah, love to see Rachel checking in with Gabby to see if she needs to be rescued from a kidnapping type situation. A lot more hate to see it, uh, although some of them fall into pretty broad categories. Hate to see Clayton 
Being transparent with these women by delivering a very public speech that really centered his feelings of devastation about what happened with Susie. And that was kind of the central crime of this episode. And it was really hard to watch the sort of insensitive setting and content of how he delivered this information, which I do think he was right to be transparent about. We also hate to see Clayton begging Gabby to stay, even when she tried to assert a boundary and leave. And also when we know by the end of the episode that if he had taken a beat to really examine his desires, he perhaps could have consciously discovered that he didn't, in fact, see it with Gabby or with Rachel, and he was still thinking about Susie. Also hated to see Clayton continuing to say that he loves them all, that he loves each of them, even, you know, though it's clear that that is now, carries a lot of painful associations for each of them. And also not telling the two remaining women that he told Susie that he loved her the most. Um, So continuing to just handle this confession I think very insensitively and and withholding a key piece of information that they both might like to have. Also just like hate to see as an audience member the absolute dread of watching Rachel and Gabby be just pulled through this process and presumably be set up to be just emotionally destroyed yet again. Yeah, Really hated to see the general emotional devastation, many, many minutes, endless feeling minutes of listening to women sob. Um, This isn't what I seek in my television programming. Um, That's not the goal, in my opinion, and really hated how much pain there was. Yes. And finally, we hated to see the show that facilitated Cassie being pressured to stay in a relationship that was ultimately harmful to her being trotted out on TV by that show to warn Susie off of being pressured to stay in a relationship on that TV show. It just felt kind of gross and seems evident of yet again, the show like wanting to shirk all responsibility for setting up these potentially harmful situations. Yeah, and especially a fig leaf because presumably their decision has already been made months ago, in fact. And so it's not really a warning to Susie. It's just kind of a cover your ass moment (laughs) by the show. Hated that. And uh, let's talk about tailgate energy. Out of 10 Bud Lights this episode. (sighs) I mean... I'm going to say 1.5. 1.5, yeah. We have a, a classic moment with Clayton entering the locker room to see his family and get psyched up for the big game. But mostly we saw a very chastened Clayton pretty and sobbing women. So not very much the rest of the episode. That's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Kelsey McKinney. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review, and of course, spread the word about our show, especially to anyone you know who used to listen to us 
us here to make friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. You can also find us on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at claireandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rose, And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back tomorrow with the final episode of Clayton's horrifying journey. Can you keep up? I like loving. Stitcher. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.